Hello there. You're listening to the Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we are going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We will also be unveiling another lost tape. This one will be the Breaking Bad movie El Camino in honor of the fact that the day we are recording this, October 11th, it came out two years ago to the day. It premiered in 2019 on Netflix, and so we recently rewatched it so we can give some of our updated thoughts, but then we will also give our lost tape when we originally watched it back in 2019 and recorded an episode on it. That'll be fun to listen to. start off with some news for the week to start us off we have christopher nolan's new robert oppenheimer j robert oppenheimer movie killian murphy has been cast as the namesake of the movie oppenheimer himself it should be coming out in july of 2023 are you excited i am excited i'm sure it will be fantastic as i mean nolan usually is reliable in that way Uh, And this is not going to be one of his time-bending, mind-bending, whatever stuff like Tenet. This will be more of his dramatic stuff, um, as Dunkirk was. And so it'll be a nice little uh, little break from the usual stuff that he got popularized for. Mm -hmm. Um, But based on the subject matter with Oppenheimer and Killian Murphy in the lead role, it definitely seems to be shaping up to be something great. There was also a few weeks back a bunch of discussion around which studio would be the one to mm-hmm. produce and distribute this one. The big since, fight over it. Yeah, since he was still mad at Warner Brothers for the HBO Max situation, even though Tenet wasn't even like that. Got a theatrical release in twenty twenty. Bombed. Remember when that was supposed to be the movie that like saved theaters? Yeah, and it wasn't. It was definitely not. Um, so yeah, he was holding a grudge against them, and so he was shopping it around. And Universal was able to get the win, and now part yeah, of Universal, yeah, Woo! part of oh yeah, your rules. Um, yeah, what could work there? <laughs> um, the they decided to give Nolan the hundred day theatrical window that he asked for, which is wow. kind of absurd because that's beyond what the normal window was which is like 75 yeah. and at that point i mean on day 99 how much money are you really gonna make but Not a lot. just a way to flex the clout he has in the film industry nolan was like give me 100 days in theaters and they said yes sir yes sir now another part of some very exciting news we've got our first look as to at, at timothy chalamet as willy wonka did you like the way that he looked there? I mean, it yeah. looked kind of odd. It looked all right. The um, it's still a strange project. I don't know why we're doing a prequel thing for it. I agree. But if you're gonna go ahead and do it, I guess get Timothy Chalamet. He's uh, one of the top actors out there at the moment, so that certainly is gonna get a, a bunch of attention. As we saw from just this photo being released, a bunch of. Discussion came up about that, a lot of reactions to it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it certainly will be a talked about movie whenever it does come out. Whether yeah. or not it'll be quality, that remains to be seen. There are people who are comparing his outfit to the outfit of Gonzo from A Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol. Because it is 100% <laughs> an absolute copy. Like, it is the exact same outfit, word for word. Well... So uh, another another thing of art stealing from other art, I guess. I suppose so. Very, very strange. Nothing is original. Uh, and speaking of things not being original, we have a spinoff <laughs> of the WandaVision show on Disney+. Plus. Agatha Harkness is going to get her own prequel 
series, I'm assuming, of her doing all the witch-related stuff in Salem. Yeah, That will be coming to Disney Plus at some point in the future. What are your reactions to this? I could take it or leave it. I mean, I'll watch it. I'll probably be satisfied by it. But if it wasn't made, I wouldn't be upset. If their efforts were directed somewhere else, I wouldn't be upset. But I guess they made this choice, and it is what it is. Very stoic outlook you have on the uh, Mm -hmm. announcement of Agatha Harkness television show. It's just eh. There was also rumors we didn't put in the news section, but Disney. There are rumors that Disney Plus is doing a spinoff for the Ten Rings, like a TV show for the Ten Rings, Mm -hmm. instead of just continuing. Because we talked about this when we did our Shang Chi review that you didn't want that sort of uh, second. uh, It was the second uh, post credit scene with the sister taking over the 10 rings, you didn't want that to lead into a spinoff show. And it seems like that's what they're going to be doing. Does that make you upset that idea? It does. Cause I very stressed. It was like, this is not why I came to see this movie for. It was not the most interesting part of it. I don't care about that organization. Why? Why? Don't do why? it. Just continue with like, if they wanted to do that again, what I was saying, like an appealing second movie for Shang-Chi would be if, he had conflict with the sister who is now in charge of that organization and she's now wielding that power and he has to go toe-to-toe with her. That would be an interesting way to follow up that storyline and continue with it. But doing this television series, which already seems like it's just going to be an offshoot, it's not going to be really relevant. It's not going to have any true stakes to it. It's just, it seems like it could be another thing that you just don't watch and nothing really is affected by you not seeing that you won't shift the marvel experience for you what if they use this tv show to set up a shang chi sequel where it is that conflict present where they use Uh, this tv show to okay not a fan of that either no no no. i mean if you're gonna do that work do that work in the movie also you know they're not gonna do too much of that work in the television show because they need casual audiences to be able to sit down and enjoy Yeah. yeah I understand what you're saying. Uh, the next part, we got some trailer talk. The trailer for the HBO upcoming series, The House of the Dragon, which is the prequel to Game of Thrones about the Targaryens and their rise to power and their claim to power with the dragons themselves. Mm-hmm. Does the trailer excite you or does it remind you a little bit too much of sort of later Game of Thrones seasons as opposed to earlier <laughs> Game of Thrones seasons? Sounds like you're once again leading me in the I'm kind of, of leading you in the direction of my perspective, yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. For me, it's still... I'm hoping that it will be more like the original season since there more is so much politicking to be had in that. I mean, it's like the adaption of um, Fire and Blood, and so it is just a Targaryen family devouring itself. So yeah. I'm hoping that they do really lean in on the what made the early seasons so incredible, and it is that politicking and whatnot. Like the dragons are going to be cool, but I hope they're not going mm-hmm. to just try to make it that big, like ooh, fantasy CGI spectacle um, that the later seasons relied on a lot more than the complex politicking and intriguing dialogue and whatnot. So, and yeah. I, I do hope they take it back to their roots. And since it is the initial season, hopefully that will be the case. Um, but it is, I mean, as you said, that line about we didn't become kings from doing whatever. We got there from the dragons. That mm-hmm. was awesome. The looks they have, it's going to be a lot of bleached hair, which will get uh, annoying to look at at a certain point. <laughs> but it is something I'm interested in checking out. Yeah, do I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to watch it when they first announced it, but after watching the trailer, I'll give it a shot. You know, I'm still a fan of Game of Thrones, even though. I mean, we all know. I, I'm still a fan <laughs> of Game of Thrones, so I'm hoping they'll pull through. Yeah. I mean, that was always going to be a show I wanted to watch. They had talked about because they're going through like four different possible spinoff ideas. And yeah. all of the other ones didn't seem as interesting. Like one about the children of the forest. I was like, okay, no. do we really need that? It's not really interesting. But the House of the Dragon definitely was the most interesting of them all. And I was always going to check it out. Certainly. And this trailer does show at least a bare minimum level of competency. Children of the Forest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that one would be 
they were in like two episodes of the whole show. Why are they making a spinoff of this? Um, but yeah, I I'm interested in seeing that. It comes out 2022 sometime. So yeah, look forward to that. Indeed. And the last bit of news we have: Succession season three premieres October 17th. I have seen all of Succession, and you have not. Cool. Uh, we talked about this a bit earlier, privately between just the two of us, that uh, it seems to me that there's a disparity between what most audiences like and what I like in when it comes to different episodes of Succession in that the episodes that audiences typically critically acclaim on such websites as IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes I think are a little bit more lackluster and a little bit more overhyped, whereas the, the episodes that they think are are a little bit more lackluster themselves I think are incredible. So I guess ultimately I think anyone can find succession entertaining. I think it's funny. I think it's brilliant in a lot of ways. And I am going to probably watch season three at some point, just probably not as it's coming out. I'll probably just binge watch it when it's all out, but I will watch it eventually. I do like the show. I do love Brian Cox. He's incredible in the show. He's absolutely riveting. And so I do look forward to succession season three. Interesting. So I'm going to go back to that point about you liking the episodes that are not well regarded by the rest of the audience. Is there a particular reason that you can pinpoint for why it is that you gravitate towards those episodes, whereas audiences tend not to? I feel like the audiences are gravitating towards like the big cliffhanger season endings where Mm -hmm. it's like this is a big event that happens and it's setting up everything else. And that's crazy and exciting, whereas I'm more inclined to be excited about like huge character moments for the different people because it's all about this family and the dysfunctionality of it as they try and figure out the line of succession of this big media conglomerate it's kind of the shakespearean sort of tragedy that's happening with all these people as they're fighting for power and so to see like because the whole time they're all just lying to themselves and to each other but to have moments where the characters are like genuinely themselves and it's just shocking how horrible they are. It's just, it just comes out of nowhere, and it's absolutely incredible. Like there's an episode in season two where they're on a hunting trip, and for some reason the reviews of it are are uh, on average with like most of the other episodes, as opposed to being like stellar and incredible. But it's it's an amazing. There's just the end scene is just absolutely brilliant. It just goes full send into the madness of like the the bourgeoisie sort of upper echelon of people and how their elitism just lets them do whatever they want with the power that they have it's absolutely incredible gotcha okay well once again season three is coming out october 17th the first episode is premiering on hbo that is definitely one of the most talked about shows of recent times mm-hmm. definitely well regarded so check that out look i will at some point i'll get to it i will you can wait but... for now but you should <laughs> definitely check it out somewhere because there's definitely just a lot of cool things they do with the characters that i think you'll appreciate mm-hmm. i just feel like because season two it just ended the, the the ratings for it were just so incredible on like it was like the highest rated episode on like every website that i saw and so i was like super stoked for it and it was just such a predictable outcome to set up season three and it was just so basic and simple and like it's 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 not bad it is definitely like a good way to set up season three like i'm excited but it's just not the i think the end for season one was a lot better because it was just so shockingly different than what i thought it would be i see did you look at the uh fan response to the season one finale beforehand yeah probably Oh, okay. I was seeing if it was maybe a case of you getting no, your hopes no. up because of the fan reaction to the season two finale. That does happen to me quite often, but in this case, I was able to differentiate my opinions. That's true. You do got to be careful about that, of getting, like, poisoning a well, essentially, seeing well, what other people happens. think, and then that influences your reaction to it. Yeah, certainly. But, all right, moving on to the box office breakdown for, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, The Weeknd. <laughs> uh, October 8th to October 10th. What a great video. <laughs> For real. Daniel Craig, fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. The weekend. The weekend. It's so sad this is an audio only medium because you can't get the his hand like coming up and then flapping down to his leg, which is also one of the best parts of that. But man, Daniel Craig, 
beloved for that video and also for being the modern Bond. He had his film, No Time to Die, his fifth and final entry, come out. And he got 56 million in the opening weekend, which is far below what I was hoping for in my Big positive bummer. manifestation projections. Uh, also below what you were predicting. Very true. Yeah, Kirk, who had a terrible taste in choosing which of the other Bond films to argue for <laughs> in our cinema showdown, he nailed it when he said it was going to be in the 50 to 60 million range. Came in like split in the middle of that. Mm. Um, and so some of the reasons for why this may have, like, quote, underperformed, I mean, underperformed our expectations, but I mean, if Venom didn't do so crazy the week before, I think most people would have probably had the more uh, mid-range expectations. And this one, I mean, sort of fell in line with that. Mm -hmm. But Bond tends to skew towards older audiences anyway. Um, that's mm -hmm. always been the case. It is that's going to be a problem they need to fix with this new iteration. They need to be able to pull in the younger crowd um, in order to sustain the franchise. Take talking Bond. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be horrible. Um, hopefully not. But they do need to have some way to appeal to the young peeps. I don't know if they're going to try to cast a younger Bond, but I don't know that would sort of betray some the elements of the character. The name's Bond. Ooh, Bond. <laughs> the name's Bond. James Bond. Um, so hey guys, James Bond here. <laughs> Coming at you again with another villain react video. <laughs> um, God, let's hope not. Uh, so yeah, tends to skew older. We also talked about how it was in a longer movie. So I mean, that may have made people not want to go see it, uh, since you would have to spend three hours. Mm -hmm. Uh in the theater which when we when i went uh with um some peeps we went to the eleven ten showing Oof. we didn't get out until 2 10 a.m yikes yeah the thing is very long but even though domestically it was not uh gangbusters it is still doing incredibly overseas which mm -hmm. is what bond typically does it's always an international hit uh, 313 million worldwide at the not moment. Bad. So yeah, not bad news all around. Hopefully it will have some good legs in the States, but not the smash hit that I was hoping for. Big bummer. What do you think it's going to end up being around at the end of it all? Uh, worldwide or domestic? Worldwide. Worldwide? I'm going to say 750. Uh, I don't think it's going to get past 600, buddy. No, I think it will. I think it will. I don't think it will. I don't think it will. Just the 56 million domestically. I mean, yes, it is doing gangbusters worldwide, but the 56 domestic is just a big hurdle to get over because that, that, that is crippling. Then, Something that you want to end up around 750. I mean, yeah, it's tough. But again, most of the uh, like Skyfall had 800 million overseas and Spectre had 600 million overseas. The majority of the stuff, like the vast majority, comes from overseas anyhow. Yeah, so yeah. this but is also unfortunate COVID. that is true. COVID times is frustrating as well. That's what I'm saying. Um, I think it can still hit there. I think it'll be able to. Because, I mean, clearly in Europe, it's performing as it like normally would. I am um, so, doubtful. Yeah. Well, but we will see we as time see. goes on. What were your personal opinions about the movie? Just briefly. Well, I don't want to poison the well, Dylan. I want you to be able to experience it. You won't poison any well, I promise. I just want to know what you think of it. I haven't seen it yet. I think it's the third best of the Daniel Craig Bond movies. So it's like middle toe? Yeah, average. no cock and ball torture, unfortunately. God damn it. <laughs> Why, but, how do they, no wonder it performs so low. I mean, right? come on. They had to know their they audience know what, and they did not. They don't not. know what the younger audience <laughs> wants. That's, that would get all the youngins coming in. Um, They're not appealing to our demographic anymore. For real. It's a shame. But yeah, it was the action in that is really incredible. Okay. I mean, that's like on par with Casino Royale and Skyfall type stuff. It also looks very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Probably the story best looking Western. behind Skyfall. I mean, there are elements of the story that are certainly intriguing. Um, but then there are other parts of it like 
and I don't want to say too much, but the villain was just completely incomprehensible. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> it was I knew it would be, dude. Not great. But I knew it. there was, like, in the middle portion, which, you know, I mean, in the trailers, they show Christoph Waltz, obviously, he comes back. Mm-hmm. He's, the way they set that up is better than anything that happened in Spectre with that character. Incredible. Um. So, yeah. There I, feel like of, I, should, I feel like I should rewatch Spectre before I go see No Time to Die. You should, because it does rely heavily on on Yeah. That. And I barely uh, remember that movie. Yeah, it does lean more into the gadgets, and that's kind of cool. It does, like, this is the culmination of all the Bond, Craig Bond stuff. So, I mean, there's a lot of callbacks to all the things that happened in the previous movies. So, I mean, it is a worthwhile experience. Definitely go see it. Um, are you going to see Mas- it? Yeah, no. Oh, my God. Yay. Big yay. A thousand times yay. Yes. Good. Incredible. Fantastic. Uh, one of the highlights for sure. Needed more of her. Not enough. Um, there. Are you going to go see it this week or I sometime? Have no idea. I will see it eventually. I don't think I'm going to end up seeing Venom two because I don't think I care enough. And I also no. already, I already know what the post credit scene no. is. So there's nothing dragging me to there. And you plus, if I do it. go see it, then it's just going to take away. It's just going to add to your <laughs> box office. Exactly. I think I'll probably watch it when it's streaming somewhere like HBO Max. No. I think is probably where it'll end up being. But I no. will, I will watch it on my TV at some point. I you probably have to see it. Look, it's theaters. a crisp ninety-seven minutes. You just go. I know it is. I know. But I just an I easy can't. two hours. You just go there, bro. He's in the club, bro. Venom's in the club. That does look him. funny. That does look funny. But it's just so I just have such limited time these days, and I feel like I'd rather spend it watching No Time to Die, even though it is significantly longer. It's true. Uh, Almost yeah. twice as long. I am interested in hearing your opinions on that, though. I would rather go see No Time to Die, so that's what I'll probably do sometime this week or next. Anyway, speaking of Venom 2, it came in second place this past weekend with $32 million. That is a 65% drop, and it is now at 141 domestically. Yay or nay, Ryan? I mean, I'm saying yeah. That was a hold that's typical of the earlier stuff in the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw, like, the massive 70% drops and whatnot. Black this Black. one, yeah. Uh, Shang-Chi obviously did not have that hefty a drop, but also did not have to contend with Anything. the longest running film franchise having a movie come out the week after it. So uh, I feel like this is a solid hold for Venom. I'm hoping it will continue to make progress. Right now it's like on par with Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the 11 day totals, I think we're both at 141 million. So hopefully it will continue to stay on par. Um, and hopefully reach 200 million domestic. We will that see. Would be lovely. All right, the Adams family in third place with 10 million, even though it's also already on PVOD, which I don't understand. I mean, they gave it like one week and then they're immediately like, all right, put it up. <laughs> so people don't want to haul their kids to the theater these days if they could just watch it at home. I guess. But I don't know. It just seems strange to like. It's, an, it's the Adams after... family, and it's not even the first one. You know, it's, <laughs> this is not a movie you go. It's not like it's a Pixar movie. You know, this That's is something true. that you just put on the TV to get the kids to shut up. It was also apparently trash. It got yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> So not great for them. That sucks. After the Adams family in fourth place was, of course, Shang Chi. With four million, that means it has two hundred and twelve million domestic and has now crossed four hundred million worldwide. Woo! There you go. It's not gonna get too much higher than that, but it is a respectable total for Shang-Chi. It's making its way. We're working on it. It takes time. Stopped there. I think it takes time. It's not going any higher. It takes time, Ryan. (laughs) Many Saints of Newark with one point four million. Bummer. That is also not doing it's not going anywhere either. Free guy with 1.3 million that brings it to 119 million domestically and 326 million worldwide. Not bad for Ryan Reynolds, not bad at all. Lamb, the A24 film about lamb, lamb <laughs> is it got 1 million in 583 theaters, so it was a limited release. But yeah, we'll see how that continues to progress. I mean, I don't think it's going to be an awards player at all, it seems very weird. So it's mm-hmm. not, I don't think, going to attract that kind of attention. But it was certainly 
it's quite an experience watching that trailer. So yes, it was. at some point, maybe I'll be able to catch it, but probably not going to go to a theater for that. Yeah, me neither. The lackluster and often heralded as disgusting Dear Evan Hansen <laughs> was able to muster up 1 million, which brings its total to 13 million, making it a big heaping pile of shit bomb. Yes. R.I.P. to Vimba. Uh, Candyman came in with under 1 million. Still, I mean, in the top 10, and that's been out for quite some time at this yeah. point, so good for them. Last time, it'll be in the top 10, but hey, you held on. And oddly enough, to round out our top 10 was the Met Opera's performance of Boris Godunov. Boris Godunov <laughs> did a performance with the Met Opera, and it was able to muster up $300,000, which is the first time in a long time I've ever seen one of those Met Opera performance things that were streamed in theaters do make it into the top 10. Yeah. <laughs> it's very odd to see that there. I was very surprised when I saw that. A great achievement for them. Good for Boris. Good work, Boris. <laughs> this All weekend right. we have some new entries for our box office predictions. What is probably going to be a big hitter this weekend is Halloween Kills, which is the sequel to 2018's Halloween remake. That remake made $76 million. However, this version is getting a simultaneous streaming release with Peacock. Indeed. Peacock. Yeah, um, weird to go ahead and do that. It was a strange recent choice they made to do the day and day release yep. in theaters and on streaming. But I guess Peacock needs attention. They need something to attract the people besides The Office. So we'll see if that actually makes a dent in the uh, the box office growth for this. I am predicting $40 million I really don't think it'll be able to get over fifty million. I mean, that'd be great if we had three weekends in a row of uh, beyond fifty million for the openings, but I don't think it'll get there. And I, I think it'll probably also somewhat underperform the expectations. So, thirty-five mil to forty mil as my guesstimation for Halloween kills. But also, I'm not the audience for this, so I can't really gauge the hype around this mm-hmm. film. So, I don't know, it could end up being a smash hit as well and get, like, I don't know, something close to No Time to Die. Yeah. But I suspect probably not. Yeah. I'm going to guess 100. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you're, you're probably right. I'm going to agree with you around 35, 40 million. But I do think that will put it over No Time to Die's performance for next week. And I think Halloween Kills will come in first, followed by No Time to Die around... 30 maybe probably less maybe in the 20s and then venom 2 hanging around the 20s as well maybe in the teens and then after that the next newest entry the last duel which is really scott's new movie i don't see that doing any better than 15 i think it is just going to be kind of an artsy film that maybe really scott fans and matt damon and ben affleck fans will go see and adam and, driver and I, oh you're right the adam driver stands bro they they're out there they'll come out in droves yeah exactly sure. <laughs> so i think 15 is uh generous i think it'll probably be closer to 10 wow i think as for yeah some of those other movies we talked about i definitely think no time to die will probably end up around 27 million Hoping it's more towards the 30 mil Very mark. specific number there. But, yeah. Well, you know, I like to hone in. It's $27,364,005? <laughs> That's the exact amount. Wait, how many theaters is it opening? <laughs> um, and then Venom 2, I think, probably will be around the 20 mil mark. It probably will dip into the teens. Yeah. But since it's going to be a third week and it'll be a better hold than what it just had, so could could hit the 20s but probably will dip below it and i do think the last duel is going to get around 12 million i think it can hit double digits it looks quality enough and it seems like it'll bring out um enough people that would be interested in a like medieval dramatic type of movie and then also has recognizable actors so i think it will be able to hit the double digits might be Maybe not. We'll have to see. Anyway, it's time for our 
main topic for today. A long, long time ago, Ryan and I had a radio show called Box Office Breakdown. And on that radio show, we lost a lot of recordings because they were either uploaded to YouTube rather than this podcast, which is more stable and long lasting, or because we just never uploaded them at all. One of the episodes that I think did make it to YouTube was our review of El Camino, which we did with, was that with Lillian? I think so. Yes. We'll have to check. But I believe our friend Lillian <laughs> Snyder was on the show. You'll be able to hear her voice as well. It was a good review. It was a good time. It was a simpler time. Don't say it was a good review. You have no clue. Can you remember right. one thing from that show? No. I, I. Oh, I do. I talked about how good the nature looked. An opinion I still have today. Wow. The nature. Top top ten top probably the, the best movie that I've seen in a long time in terms of shooting nature. Like gorgeous. Interesting. Yeah, it was very beautiful and diverse, bro. They had Alaska and they had of course the beautiful Albuquerque deserts and whatnot. Uh, but it was very cold feeling as opposed to the warmer feelings of breaking bad. Mm-hmm. Different tonally. I love it. It's very true. Just briefly, since we did rewatch it um to give a peek behind the curtains as well this was supposed to be our bridging bad show mm-hmm. but we have decided to put that off to do a little more prep work on it because we want to make sure it is very solid extra special i think every like these past few episodes somehow breaking bad sneaks in every episode i mean we always talk about it because it is beloved by us deservedly so i mean it is one of the greatest television shows out there it's my favorite. I in both of our opinions, it is the best one out there. It's yes. our favorite. So we want to give it uh, the due respect uh, and talk about it well. Um, and so, yeah, that'll be coming later down the line, sometime in November, most likely. But we did want to talk about El Camino. Again, as I said, came out two years ago, to the day. Incredible stuff. To the day. We rewatched it, even though it wasn't, I mean, technically a part of the Breaking Bad uh, binges that we did. We both watched it. And so, Dylan, was this the second time you had seen it? Or had this you seen it more time. in between? Oh, okay, I had gotcha. seen it once before you and I watched it. And then I saw it when you and I watched it. And then I watched it this time. Gotcha. Yeah, this is my second time seeing it. And so what are your overall thoughts on it? Opinions? How do you feel? I guarantee you, I have not even listened to our Lost Tapes episode again yet, but I guarantee you my opinions are the exact same. I still (laughs) love it. I loved it then and I love it now. I think it's absolutely incredible. I love the the tonal difference between this and Breaking Bad and even Better Call Saul that Vince Villigan is striking here. Uh, I love reconnecting with old characters. Even if it is a little fan servicey, it's still brilliant the way that they flash back for Jesse. I love... This is something that happened the first time we watched this. I don't know if I told you this, but I think I did. I could have sworn I did. But the, the way they shot the nature was just so beautiful that it made me want to go somewhere cold. And that's why we took a trip to North Carolina. What? That <laughs> was the why? reason. Yes. It's because Incredible. I loved the, the look of it. And I was like, I miss the cold weather because we live in Florida and we never get any. And so it made me want to go somewhere for the winter. And that's why we went to North Carolina. But um Incredible. It is doing the same thing to me now. Is it making me want to go on another trip somewhere <laughs> cold this winter? I might do it like for a weekend, go go to Georgia or something and just camp. Because I just, I miss it. I miss the cold weather. I love the cold weather. And just the crisp look of this film in every single scene, mm-hmm. every single shot. The opening scene with Mike and Jesse in the creek is gorgeous. Uh, the shots of Jesse and Todd out in the desert are gorgeous. Jesse in Alaska at the end is amazing. Uh, Jesse and Jane out in the desert when they're having that conversation about where their souls go is gorgeous. It's just it's beautiful, beautifully shot, just stacked all up on top of each other, one by one by one by one. I love learning more about Jesse's time being in prison because that's such a good character moment for him, even though it's just so briefly touched upon in the show. And I love expanding our knowledge of Jesse and who he is. And I just love that we get to see a happy ending for him, like a truly that's happy what I'm ending. Saying. It's yes. so satisfying because the whole time of Breaking Bad, we'll talk about this on the Breaking Bad special, but Jesse just gets the shit end of every episode nonstop, mm-hmm. nonstop. He's just getting pummeled throughout that entire show. And his end is very much open-ended. Like we have no idea what happens to him, but this is such a good movie that gives us such a clear indication that yes, 
he suffers just a bit more for a little bit longer and he's still tortured by his past but his future looks very very bright and that makes me happy so i say 10 5 out of 5 10 out of 10 well i love this movie incorrect. i think I, I think at the time i gave it five out of five too it might have been four and a half out of five i can't remember dang insane yeah i do remember i think we did say this on that last tape show but it just felt like one very long episode of breaking bad very which true. is fantastic that i mean it's been scaling and obviously it all came from his mind but the fact that they're still able to hit that exact sort of tone and style and feel in the cinematography but also with all the performances like everyone coming back reprising their roles i mean aside from todd putting on some of the weight i was kind of jarring <laughs> Well, I think that was for a role. I mean, if you look at like Jesse Plemons now, that's not how he is. I think he did that as a for another yeah, role. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But then they had to come back. But it is jarring to see that after just coming off of watching Breaking Bad. But if you watch um, Better Call Saul, some of the other characters have put on a little weight as well, and you will interesting. notice. Interesting. But then, then in the in the last season, they've lost it again. Wow. In preparation for more Better Call Saul, <laughs> so you'll see. But we'll there. But yeah, it was still amazing seeing everyone come back and able to harness those roles, those characters, just as great as they did the first time around in the show. As you said, I mean, the cinematography is gorgeous. Also, this is so cathartic to see Jesse finally break free from all the pain that he was put under. I mean, the crime life was not for him, and he's finally able to get out. He's such a sweet, gentle soul. I like how they had the callback to the beetle coming up to him and then he lets it crawl on his hand mm -hmm. and he's looking at it um, and peacefully lets it walk away i love that like that is so amazing um there are other callbacks in this that just because skinny pete and yes and badger skinny. getting to say goodbye to them finally yeah that was like really a real nice. goodbye i love when skinny pete says dude you're my hero and shit yeah <laughs> it is so it's so sweet and it's just a perfect line it really is. Um, yeah, that whole moment and him giving him the beanie. Oh, mm -hmm. Beautiful stuff. And Jesse, I mean, you see like all those scars on his face and whatnot, but he looks so good in this. Like he just looks incredible. Yeah. The best that he ever has. Dude. Yeah. Uh, and it's just amazing. He's still as engaging, even in the like quote unquote slow parts. I mean, they're, it's always just building tension and ratcheting that up. And still as good as it was in the big matchup i mean they still Absolutely. all got it and uh being able to see that final shot of him driving away in the car he's in alaska smiling. and he's happy now and he's smiling so uh, good as that parallel to when he's you know screaming and like laughing screaming that cathartic release when he was initially uh liberated but now he truly in every sense is liberated able to live out a peaceful life that he deserves thank god because finally Jesse needed that man, and we all needed to see that. I, I needed it so bad. We both talked about like, oh, is it necessary? Was it essential? I think this was definitely needed closure. Like we could have yes. lived without it, sure, but it is so amazing to be able to see Jesse's story finally rounded out, completed, and we know we don't have to imagine it. We know that he does have better days ahead, mm -hmm. and that's beautiful. So, yeah, El Camino, I'll also give that mofo. <laughs> A five out of five. Yes. So do you think you liked it more this time or more last time? Or For time? sure. I liked it more this time. Because I, yeah. I remember your impressions being like, it was good. Like last time you watched it. Mm -hmm. like It wasn't as exceptional this time as it yeah. was this time. This time I was able to, and it's, well, I guess maybe because I had watched it like Breaking Bad the show probably around 2018. And then when it came out, so there was like a longer space. Because mm -hmm. I would say recently completed Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um. But I was able to catch much more this time around, which I don't know if I was just like paying attention better or whatnot, but I was able to recognize so many more of the callbacks. I was able to like mm -hmm. in that beetle thing, I was able yeah. to make that connection. The tarantula thing is able to make that correct connection. Oof. When Jesse's parents are across the way on the TV, and then he's like, he notices them and then has to turn the TV on here. Like mm -hmm. I was able to call that and anticipate that coming. Um, understood and appreciated a lot more of like what the Walt and Jesse conversation was about, mm -hmm. um, which again, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about their relationship and the, yeah. the dynamic between them, but we do get to see, I mean, there was 
genuine care and compassion between them. It's so such a fascinating thing. It, to, it to, is. It's such a fantastically written and so fascinating and interesting dynamic. It's just brilliant. It's just brilliant it in every way. And how it, it changes it, and evolves. Yeah, and it makes it so much more tragic that like the pain that is inflicted on both of them often I mean sometimes it's mutual obviously a lot more is Jesse suffering the wrath of Walt and then also the consequences of whatever Walt does um but then Jesse's still always trying to get that like validation and approval and Walt is one of the first people that did again genuinely see that in him and at least want good things for him so yeah the fact that we were able to see that in this movie as well it was beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah it just it was a lot more meaningful I think this time around to be able to see how it could have gone so wrong like it could have been trash could have desecrated what came before it but it did not at all it delivered in the way that needed to very impactful and oh I just I love Jesse so much also Aaron Paul man is an incredible actor why is he not in more stuff why is his career not booming at the moment that's what I'm saying dude I don't understand but I feel like the best time to watch El Camino is immediately after you finish binging Breaking Bad because I've watched the entire series over a span of two to three weeks, which is the fastest I've probably ever watched it because we were prepping for this episode and I really wanted to get it done, which is funny because now we're pushing it to November, so I really could have taken my time with it. Right. It's fun. I do love, like, of all the shows that you could binge watch, that's the most fun to, like, really try and watch it fast because it's just nonstop at certain points and it's just great. But watching the final episode of Breaking Bad and then back to back watching El Camino is just amazing. It's just, it's such a good feeling because I was like, I finished Breaking Bad and I was like, well, now I feel sad that it's over. What am I going (laughs) to do now? I still have El Camino. And then it's like, it, it gives me that closure and I can just stop and be like, okay, I can watch something else now. Like when you finish a show, you do feel like there's a hole there and El Camino does a good job of like filling that hole in a satisfying way. And I really am impressed that they were able to do that. Plus, you still got Better Call Saul that you can watch. It's very true. Very true. Which but you I'll... need to watch one day. I told you I will at some point. And we'll have a show on it. I'm um, so excited for the last But first, we will have that Breaking Bad show, our little special. And I'm sure at some point, like I kind of want to have an episode dedicated specifically to Ozymandias and just dissecting that perfect hour of television anatomy of a masterpiece yeah ozymandias because it's that good and we really could talk about it for a whole hour hour and a half yeah but yeah anyway you've heard our current impressions and our current thoughts about el camino now we're going to go ahead and rewind to two years ago and you can listen to our lost tapes of el camino featuring lillian snyder starting now Welcome back. You were just listening to Indigo by 88 Rising and Nikki. This is Box Office Breakdown on WNSC University of Central Florida, Orlando. And now we're going to get right into our discussion of El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. I loved it. I loved it so much. I, I've seen it twice now. Well, we first, we should say, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, spoilers. Yes, Because this please. is an epilogue. If you haven't <laughs> seen Breaking Bad, if you haven't seen Better Call Saul, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, uh, the Breaking Bad movie El Camino, just don't listen, because huge spoilers. Earmuffs. But this movie was everything I wanted it to be. It was. It exceeded my expectations. I loved it. I loved the surprise appearances. I loved the scenery. I loved Aaron Paul's performance. And the story was just... It was perfect. Beat by beat. It was just... It's exactly what I wanted. What do you guys think? I agree. It was incredible. It brought me back to, like... I miss watching Breaking Bad for the first time. And so that, like, brought me back into that whole feel. Which is amazing that, like... Aaron Paul and Vince Gilligan, all those people can still, like, pull that off to such a high quality. It was incredible. Like you said, the performances was amazing. The cinematography, of course, because oh, it's a movie beautiful. now. My God. I mean, it was beautiful in Breaking Bad, but, I mean, they bumped it up to a new level. The story was good. I mean, it was just, like you said at um, on last week's show, like, this is just Jesse's story. Every single scene 
had Jesse in it. Oh, it was great. And it was amazing. Lily, what do you think? I loved, like, you could definitely see, like, it was definitely Jesse's story. And we saw, like, it picked up right where it left off. And it was what, what happens now. But we also got, like, from Jesse's point of view, all of, like, his interactions with all of the other, like, main characters from the show. And so that was a nice little callback, like, to have to have Jane in there for just a little bit. Just a little, just a little bit. And Mike. Oh, my God. We love Mike. I miss Mike. Bro, I cried when Brian Cranston showed up. <laughs> I remember that. That was those. I just miss him. I miss. I also. I just miss Breaking Bad. And yeah. I like. I just recently finished the show. I didn't. I didn't watch it as it came out. I like just. Just finished everything, and so the movie came out like relatively soon after I finished it. So I had like a break, but I didn't have. I didn't have like the years that y'all did, and so it was. It was cute. It was a very cute wrap-up. And it's sad to think about, because this is probably the last time that Brian Cranston will be Walt. Yeah. The last time. Well, let's... Because I posed a question after watching this, because it was so good, and it was such a good, like, character study of Jesse. I was thinking, like, the rest of the cast, like, characters on Breaking Bad, like, that's that's stuff that is ripe for exploration, like, with Skyler Mm -hmm. and Marie, like, stuff like that. Like, seeing the aftermath, because we never saw... Like, what happened to them post-Walt's death? So, like, how they immediately react to that news, to the fallout. Uh, and, of course, Walt Jr., too. Like, just seeing how Walter White's family lives post-him. I feel like that would be such an interesting thing. And, then of course, Marie would be involved as well. Because she lost Hank. Oh, man. But that'd also be a way to bring back Walt you know brian cranston again for the role maybe um and also bring back hank hank schrader maybe maybe would you, you guys oh, hold sorry, on are you ahead. opposed to an idea because i posed that and you didn't seem like I, you were very interested i feel like it'd be so cool i just think it's more of a disconnect from what made the story good which was these good people turning into bad people and to see skylar after this she's no longer a bad person i can't see her doing any more crimes now that Walt's dead, like, what else is she going to do? She's, it'd be like her trial, but she's not committing crimes during the trial. The whole thing is the, like, the de-evolution of these characters into evilness. Even Better Call Saul was about, like, Jimmy McGill, who's, like, a, a great guy, turning into Saul Goodman, who's this scumbag lawyer. And then Breaking Bad is, like, Walt, who's a stand-up teacher, turning into this twisted, you know, drug lord. And Aaron Paul, who's just a kid making meth and selling it, who's already, you know, kind of like, he's just, he's innocent. He's innocent with what he is, and he lives in an innocent world in his own head, and he's turned into this cynical sort of evil, not evil, but like, just, he's just gone. Bro, did you see the part in the movie where he picked up the bug and he didn't squish it? He did not squish the bug. He's still innocent, bro. That's what they were trying to tell us. I'm do you know convinced. what? Because that's from the show. Is the scene he where didn't he squish the bug. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's from the show where he picks up the bug. It's like a callback. Right. But he's still innocent because he, he didn't squish it. Also, yeah, but he's still done all these things. He's murdered people now. At well, yeah, this point. but he's done everything. Like, that was the very last resort. Like, he did everything he could to not kill people or to hurt people. That's always been his character, yeah. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. But I think going back to the should this guy's story happen i think it'd be interesting to see like we saw her get brought down like devolve as well with walt because like she got involved with those shenanigans like she knew all about it from what season two or three something yeah and so she was like i mean she was involved in doing that stuff hiding the money all that um so i think it'd be interesting to see how she because walt you know still died a criminal it'd be interesting to see how she tries to evolve back into a good person from being the bad one that she became with Walt. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I'd watch it if it, if they made it, but I don't know if it would be as interesting as maybe uh, just, like Spencer said, an examination of Gus, like a prequel to Gus's story, maybe. That might be more interesting to me, because he's definitely a person who was a good person that then turned into someone that's now a drug lord like Walt. It'd be kind of interesting to see the parallels to Breaking Bad. I think... I think I could see Walter Jr. getting into some trouble. I think that really? would be an interesting story to follow. Yeah, especially because he was already 
like near the end of the show he was already kind of like rebellious and he also like hated walt yeah but and once so... hank died he's like gung-ho do the law he's like not gonna break the rules i think that's the character trait mm. is like he's has his rebellion but then his uncle hank who is this sort of figure of the law has now died and he loved him and he died because his father broke the law so so many times and so repetitively and like he loved uncle hank and now he hates walt he's sort of like change into the side that's now pro hank and pro law so i don't think he would ever it would just be against his character now to start committing crimes like walt we watch walter jr become a dea agent <laughs> that would be cute i would watch that yeah yeah so i know spencer was talking about an interesting similarity he was comparing el camino to toy story 4 in that toy story 4 was like people said it was unnecessary but it was a good epilogue for woody's character and now people are saying that El Camino was unnecessary, but it was a good uh, it was a good epilogue for Jesse's character. And some of these other characters that are loose and caught up. What do you think? What movies are necessary? Name name me one that like you needed to have. Yeah, uh huh. Exactly. I mean, I, I get I the idea a... of like the story. Like you could have left it on, and yeah, we'd have questions. But I guess like, what are you gonna do about them? But I think. I don't know. It was a good... You can tell a good story in itself and still continue the story and have it be a good story, which is what we got. But I think, like, calling them unnecessary, there's a lot of, like, what is a necessary story? I think Harriet Tubman is a necessary story. Everyone, please go see Harriet Tubman. (laughs) It's just Harriet. (laughs) Harriet. Yeah, Harriet. I think, I mean, they were saying, like, for the story of Breaking Bad, which was Walt's story, this was unnecessary to complete that because it was already complete. And but Jesse this is was an free. E- right, but this is an extension of that. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely agree with the Toy Story 4 comparisons because it doesn't, like, ruin anything about the original series. Like, Toy Story 4 didn't do anything to damage how you would view the first three movies. Um but this is an extended story that you don't need to have in order to feel fulfilled with the original series. Um, but it certainly can give you that feeling of fulfillment because now you see what happened with Jesse. Because, I mean, the last scene he had in Breaking Bad, which was heart-wrenching, by the way, to see him, like, screaming, crying as he's driving away, finally free. Um, which was also one of the first scenes in El Camino. Right, right, right. Right, right back into it. Also heart-wrenching. Um but yeah, so I think that it was a fitting story to continue that, but it didn't like take away anything that we already had, which is good. Like that's what yeah, it should have done. Absolutely. There's a it's interesting because Terminator Dark Fate, apparently there's some talk that it does damage like the original franchise or whatnot. Uh-oh. And that's like like when you're continuing stories like that, you want to preserve what was great, like leave that on its own, but continue the themes in a new and interesting way. And that's what El Camino did beautifully, so. Well, we'll have to see with Terminator Dark Fate. We will, we will. Yeah. Anyway, we loved El Camino. We loved the acting, the directing, the scenery. The cinematography was all beautiful and wonderful. All right, that's all the time we have. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show or make a suggestion for the movie of the week, you can email us at theboxofficeshow at gmail.com. Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. Be sure to tune in next week. Have a great day. Have a great week. Goodbye. Yay.